Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. It was the most hyped US Masters in at least a decade. So many of the world's most popular players lining up to win it beforehand. Tiger Woods, Roy McIlroy, Phil Mickelson, Jordan Spieth, to name but a few. But in the end, the glory went to poor old Patrick Reed, a man so deeply unpopular that his college teammates once approached his opponent before a national championship match and told him, we want to win the national title, but we hope you kick the shit out of Patrick Reed. Hello and welcome to Monday Set Cap's podcast. Hi Murph. Hi Ken. Hello there. Th- are those you? are Patrick Reed's teammates going up to an opponent saying they want him to kick the shit out of Patrick Reed. That opponent also played for the college that Patrick Reed used to go to and had not had a very uh, popular time at. Mm. I'm sure I wasn't the only one last night furiously Googling why is Patrick Reed so hated. I think, yes. I, I think there are a lot of people... There was a lot of learning going on. A lot on of learning, yeah. And a lot of those Google searches led to a book by Shane Ryan called Slaying the Tiger, part mm. of which dealt with Reed and his college days. It can be read on Deadspin, the article. I mean, mm-hmm. you can obviously get the book if you want, but your books take a long time to read. So if you... Even arrive on, to be honest. I mean, we've probably moved on to the next... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, bet noir of the sporting sure world by the time the book arrives. We, we can tweet out a link to you. So there are a couple of good pieces around Patrick Reed mm. at the moment. This one is actually a historic piece. It was written a couple of years ago. And as I said, it focused on his time in college, Murph. He didn't come out brilliantly from this no, event. No, no. Uh, it, well, it, the story went back all the way back to when he was first taking up the game. And from the age of 10, uh, he showed a single-minded desire and commitment to uh, practice. For instance, he would often, at these sort of junior events, walk up to people and say, I'm Patrick Reed, and I'll kick the shit out of you at golf anytime you want. What? <laughs> Which is, you know... Pretty bulgy behaviour for a teenager. Um, I'm Patrick Reed, and I'll kick the shit out of you at golf anytime you want, Ken. Well, that would have put Ken on the back foot if he had been a budding young golfer <laughs> I, I, on, on that high school like, scene. What, like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, that might be the response. Yeah. So uh, he, he went to college, um, uh, Georgia, and uh, this is kind of when the, the cheating allegations first came up. Uh, this was a qualifying round prior to a tournament. He had a ball far into the rough. He approaches the spot where his where he reckons his ball went. He found another ball sitting rather closer to the fairway and was preparing to hit it when several of his teammates said, 
hey, Patrick, that's not your ball. Uh, he pleaded ignorance, uh, but uh, his teammates were convinced that he'd been caught red-handed trying to cheat. That same uh, autumn, uh, per the same sources via Shane Ryan that uh, told that story, several items went missing from the Georgia locker room, including a watch, a Scotty Cameron putter, and $400 in cash. Patrick Reed uh, showed up the following day with a large wad of cash. Good fella style. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> where'd you get that fur coat, Patrick? <laughs> and uh, a teammate confronted him, asked him how he'd come by the money. Reed said he'd played golf with a professor at the school and had hustled the professor out of the cash. The player in question took this claim to the professor who had no idea what he'd been talking about. It had been weeks since he'd played with Reed. So, yeah. Uh, that was just at the first college. Then he yeah. ended up leaving there after... Yeah, even now on tour, Ryan writes, the source told me there's a private joke among certain players when Reed enters a locker room. Hide your things, they tell each other. Patrick's here. Mm. Uh, so kicked out of his first college, joined Augusta State. Uh, that's when his teammates hated him so much that they went to an opposing player to say, I hope you kick the shit out of Patrick Reed. Uh, Sorry for all this bad language, by the way. It's just this seems to... And you know the, the, I'm the not Reed the one usually. It's Ken and Owen it's some bad language. usually, you know, turn the, uh, turn the air blue in here. But... Uh, yeah, so he turns professional, becomes the youngest player to win. Well, there was another cheating event. allegation in the in, in the Augusta College that he was in. Yeah. But yeah, we can get bogged down in all these various yeah, well, allegations. Uh, turns professional. Uh, says he's a top five player in the world. He was ranked 44th in the world at the time. Uh, he won that tournament, then had that bumped up to 20th. Visualization? Yeah, he's asked about his comments after the victory. I've worked so hard. I've won a lot in my junior career. Did great things in my amateur career. Was 6-0 and in match play in NCAAs won NCAAs two years in a row you can imagine golf pros from around the world rolling their eyes pretty heavy at this mention of NCAA uh, because it's college golf uh, again uh, I just don't see a lot of guys that have done that besides Tiger Woods of course and you know the other legends in the game I went to an Ivy League college I was a smart student yeah I definitely uh, don't think his top five comment was that the bad. worst thing I that made did. billions of yeah. dollars he uh, was also caught uttering a gay slur in, in himself after he three-putted in a tournament in China in 2014, which he came out and actually made what seemed like a genuine apology for. Yeah, that, so, was, a, yeah, that was a bad uh, moment. Stealing, stealing's these, pretty bad. Cheating's not great. These are all historic allegations. Hmm, not that historic. <laughs> like, in all in the last 10 years, true, yes. Like, he, uh, none of them sound like a big deal. Hmm, it's just, you know... The stealing or the cheating? Well, do these golf clubs even kick out? Like, say if I say if I was a banker, and I um, go on. <laughs> say I say I crashed a small to medium sized economy. Yeah, would I be thrown out of my golf club? I wouldn't say so, but apparently I'm supposed to hate Patrick Reed because he once stole some cash from someone. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah, that's it's, that's where we're at. I, yeah. I'm I'm kind of more on his side now. Uh, to be honest, hearing that all the golf guys are against them. I mean, anyone, if, if they're all united against somebody, that person can't be all bad, can he? Can he? Bubba Watson is the most unpopular player in a poll. Why? An anonymous poll a couple of years He's ago. He's the guy who owns the Dukes of Hazard car. Bubba Hazard. Yeah. Bu- Bubba Hazard? <laughs> Bubba Watson uh, got 20... Well, I don't have his percentage now, but anyway, he was the clear winner when the ESPN players poll put a question out along the lines of... If there was a f- if you if you saw another golfer on tour at the wrong end of a fist fight, who would you 
be slowest to jump in and help. Hopefully, it wasn't that clunky a question when it was actually put out there. But it was a long. <laughs> it was a ridiculous question. It wasn't like who do you hate the most. I tried yeah, to make yeah, it a bit yeah. of a clever question. And Patrick Reed came in second place there at eleven percent. Exactly because they they thought Bubba wouldn't need any help. Bubba would handle the situation by no. himself. Bubba's no. another story. We need to dedicate a separate podcast. I'm, I wish I'd known all this when I was watching it last night because, I, first of all, I was like, this is. This is some of the most this is the most boring sporting event I've ever seen. <laughs> Why are these guys also bad at golf? Is nothing actually going to happen of any interest? Jordan Speed sixty four didn't do anything for you. Well, it, it might did. have been the greatest round in, you know, in major history. Yeah, but but he did. He he appeared to. He must have hit a lot of balls in the water the previous three days or something because he was so far back that this couldn't ultimately was of no to no avail. I I was like I've never seen this guy read before. Pretty confident he's going to blow up over the. Mm. over the final stages as the pressure comes on. And you were probably away from your phone for the entire five hours. Well, there, I mean, I'm sure it was incessant, impossible for you to Google was, Patrick all, all I can say, All I can say is that there were incessant ads for a betting company every three minutes on this Masters broadcast. Incessant ads. I'm not going to lie to you. I started to put money on Jordan Spieth because mm. I was like, I know Jordan Spieth. I've heard this. I've heard his name before. He's a talented young. He's like Rory McIlroy, except consistent, an American. He's like he's talented, but he's also a kind of a Terminator. Mm. Um, and I think he's going to do. It. Whereas this guy, this anonymous man, he has managed to somehow float to the top of the of the rankings through a, an, an outlandish run of luck. And when the pressure comes on, because McIlroy will probably follow, and and it'll be just him there, and he'll burn up, you know, like a meteor coming into the atmosphere. He'll just he'll burn up and break up. And speed, speed doesn't even need to be ahead. This was my insight. Mm. I said speed doesn't even need to be in the lead because that guy'll come back to him and go behind him because this is the Masters. Mm. I'll have another Euro on speed there. Anyway, it turns out this guy Reed has won like twenty five million dollars. <laughs> He's one of the best players in the world. Ken, I think I had no, I, I'd never seen him before. Yeah, well, if not a Ryder Cup fan, obviously. He's won more money than Fred Couples. It is <laughs> as, a, as a golf golf player. Has he won more than Fred Couples? Apparently so. And Fred, Fred, well, Fred was born in the wrong era. He was. He he made something like twenty two million. Still and, playing consistent golf around Augusta. Fred Couples last so, weekend. So yeah. I thought, okay, all right. Uh, I was a low information. Better bombarded with. They were really upset to see you coming at whatever <laughs> betting company you were handing your money. Bombarded with ads for a betting company. I just started. I mean, people talk about free will, you know. Mm. Sounds like you've been won over by the charms of Patrick Reed, though, Ken. You're not a hater. Golf. If if the Augusta crowd is against him, and if all the PGA Tour professionals are against him. I say the man must have something good in him. Well, it's interesting because Chris Chase for USA Today said golf needs a heel, not just somebody to root against, but somebody who leans into it. To get a golfer with bravado is a rarity. It's about time Butler Cabin saw some swagger. So I'm going to put a little bit of that to Lawrence Donegan, who is among the haters. See if I can turn him around at all on your behalf, Ken. And Kilkenny Hurling, and it hasn't gone away, you know, guys. Devastating performance in the league final yesterday. They crushed Tip in the second half. It's only six points in the end, wasn't it? The yeah. winning... Margin, but it score felt like a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tip didn't score from play after the 37th minute. And uh, there were just a few too many potent reminders of what Kilkenny Hurling is all about for the people who thought that, as you say, they'd gone away. We'll talk to Michael Dagnan about that. If you're not a member of the Second Captain's World Service, not only can you not listen to all our recent podcasts for our fifth birthday with Vincent Brown, Ken Loach, Lynn Cox, Paul Kimmich and Michael Checker, but you also miss out on this week's Champions League specials and Ken's take on this guy. Yes, sir. And their new World Federator of the Championship, Conor McGregor! 
Name me wrestling promotions when the guy ended up in jail. It's just unhinged behavior. Mm. Like, it's stupid, crazy behavior. Well, yeah. Maybe his golden goose days are kind of receding into the past now. You know, you got a kind of a stinky uh, decomposing goose. A couple of things there. Firstly, that sound effect of a stinky decomposing goose was not part of the original recording. The goose sounded no. in fine fettle. From last Friday. <laughs> Secondly, Ken, you said, name me some wrestling promotions where somebody ended up in jail. Never happened. Yeah. Well, that jarred with some of our World Service members. And really, I, I'm kicking myself as a big, big wrestling aficionado that I couldn't remember the 1991 Jailhouse SummerSlam match between Big Boss Man and the Mountie. Thank you, Colin, for reminding me of that one. The lunatic fringe, Dean Ambrose, was, of course, arrested for assaulting a cameraman secretly planted by J&J security in Raw. And, of course, The Undertaker, the great man himself, went to jail for stealing a car to chase the Bull Buchanan, who had, of course, stolen The Undertaker's motorcycle. Yeah, but so no, educate no, yourself next but time. But none of these guys actually, you know, were arrested. Did oh, you, yeah, the wrestling the... is unreal. Whatever, Kent. God, you're such a bore. Join the World Service today for decomposing goose sound effects and to support completely independent commercial free journalism that works only because of the support of our members. Thanks as always to everyone who is involved and has joined so far. If you want to join them, you can go to secondcaptains.com and do it now. It only takes a couple of minutes. This will also make sense if you join up. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. So Lynn Cox swam between the US and the USSR during the Cold War, told us all about it in an amazing and informative and entertaining way. And that's the clip we go for out of that show. <laughs> anyway, secondcaptains.com forward slash join is where you can become a member. Lawrence Donegan, the stage is yours to salute our 2018 US Masters champion, Patrick Reed. Off you go. Uh, played pretty well on the final day. No, I just I tweeted yesterday, uh, this is the worst Christmas day ever. And it kind of felt like that a little bit. I mean, I think, I mean... I wasn't alone. If you look at the galleries, even at Augusta, when they stepped onto the first tee, I think Rory won the cheer battle by a factor of 10. And then uh, the day unfolded. I mean, it was actually a day of brilliant, brilliant golf. I mean, everybody played. I mean, Spieth was sensational. Ricky Fowler was amazing. John Ram was amazing. It was just a final pairing. You know, it was a, for a long spell, it was a kind of battle of uh, who could make the fewest mistakes. It was very, very curious. Uh, but Reed held out in the end. Um, but I think I share the disappointment. It was funny. You look at the Golf Channel, the main kind of golf network in the US. Uh, it's like this twenty-four hours a day golf, and the the, the, the kind of main panel is David Duval, Brando Chambly, and Frank Nobolo. And before they all teed off, uh, they were asked, and uni, uni, universally, every single one, Rory McIlroy. Everybody was tipping Rory. Everybody wanted Rory to win, and it didn't turn out like didn't turn out like that. I mean, and that's fine. You know, Rory's Rory's responsible for himself and his own golf, but it, it was a you know great golf tournament with that tinge of disappointment in it. Well, we've outlined go. some of the reasons why Patrick Reed rubs people up the wrong way already on the show, Lawrence. Why do you not like him specifically? Well, I've got a thing about. I mean, it's a boring old golf thing. You know, for me, it's it's about etiquette. It's about uh, the way you you go about your golf uh, business. Uh, Reed has a history. I mean, anybody can go and read about it. It's it's out there. I mean, in, in my personal experience, I've tried to write a piece about about Reed in the past, and what you do with these American golfers, you always go and find, you know, college guy. You know, the guys who played in college with, uh, and it's the same story with Bubba Watson. By the way, you go and try and speak to any guy who played in college with Patrick Reed, or any guy who played in college with Bubba Watson, and they all clam up. They do not want to speak about either guy. Uh, and I say that in the case of Reed, 
you can go and read it. It's all there. Shane Ryan did a really good book uh, on the PGA Tour, and he uh, and he did the read story, and and it's all there. I, but for me, that said, I also don't like. As I say, I, I don't like. I mean, I do with my own kids when we play golf. I hate guys who bank clubs and use bad language, and I mean that makes me sound like an old fuddy duddy. But I, I reads just a kind of anti golf, anti professional golfer for me. Uh, and then you, you look at a guy like Ricky Fowler. Uh, who kind of plays with a bit of grace, plays with great style and also plays with great grace. And, and that's the kind of golfer I like. Uh, Reed, not for me, uh, undoubtedly a great player, but uh, not a great person, I don't think. Surely you can't judge everybody for their actions in college, Lawrence. I mean, a lot of people act like an idiot when they're going to university. I uh, know I'm talking about his golf. I mean, I'm talking about his golf. I, can't, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to say we need to be careful here. Because you know it's been said often enough, but there's accusations of cheating, flying around, uh, accusations of stealing from his teammates. This stuff is all out there. I'm not, um, you know, I'm not getting us all into libel trouble. It's out there. Yeah, no, we've, we've been going through some of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, and he's and he's never he's never kind of done it. I mean, we're all. It's funny, uh, I was reading up on Reed's past this morning. Alan Shipnock's done an incredible piece on golf.com. I recommend that people go and read it. Um, You know, arrested at college for using a fraudulent ID. My goodness, if every kid in America was arrested for using a fraudulent ID, there'd be no kids left in America. They would would all be in prison. Um, But but it is, it's more about, you know, as a golfer, really. uh, And that stuff is, I mean, I, I... I've covered this stuff for years and years. I've been in the high court in London, even uh, covering a, a, a guy who sued his golf club for libel because they threw him out for cheating. Uh, I mean, this is uh, in the the micro, you know, in the, in the small world of golf. It's uh, these things really, really matter. Is and golf not I mean, crying a, out though? Exactly, it's a small world of golf. We're always hearing about how it needs to broaden its horizons. Does the does the sport of golf not cry out for somebody with a bit of a backstory? Uh, well, 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 yeah, but it's, it's like saying, uh, uh, but what's? The, I mean, I, guess, I hate sounding like a funny daddy, but 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 what is golf if you're if you a for instance if you're not uh, counting the, your score correctly? What what is the point? You know, what does that say about you? Because not only are you cheating yourself, you're cheating everybody else in the field. I mean, I, I coach. We talked about it last week with with US Murph. I, I coach uh, the local middle school golf team. That's the one thing I tell the kids. So, you know count your score properly because what's the point otherwise you know you're cheating everybody it doesn't feel great when you win uh, but but most of all you've got to respect everybody else in the field and if, and if you don't respect everybody else in the field then what does that say about you as a person or a character so uh, you know for me again it is it is a golf related thing for me and Reed uh, he's not he's not the kind of golfer that I appreciate or follow uh, he's a great I said, great ball striker, great player. Clearly, he's one of masters, uh, fairly and squarely by the looks of it. Uh, and the, uh, so that's fine, but but not for me as a personality, as a character, or as or as a golfer. Some of the stuff you've outlined is obviously worthy of a fair bit of scorn. But people were piling in on him for the breakdown of his relations with his family as another reason to yeah. dislike the guy. I find that a little bit <laughs> difficult to get behind because you you just don't know, you don't know exactly what's going on. Behind closed no, you're, doors, you're, there it's a little yeah, bit uh, I mean, more complex than that. Oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, no, just a, it's, it's, a, it's a complex thing that that really. I mean, trying to judge a person for how they interact with their parents and siblings is 
pretty uh, ropey territory to, to, to be getting involved in, especially when there's so many other um, bits on this guy's on this guy's CV that you can pick out if you want to dislike him. I just I just find that's a strange one for people to be moral judge and jury on. No, you're you're absolutely right. It is a. It, I mean, for me, it's not. It doesn't. You know. It, it, it doesn't make me think any worse of because I, I, my family's as complicated as your family is probably maybe not as complicated as Patrick Reed's family, but yeah, I mean, it, when I read that story, I, I just think of sadness. You, you know, the idea that yesterday his parents who actually live in Augusta were watching on TV ten miles away from Augusta National, you know, Augusta National Golf Club. I think it's sad that when his parents went to to watch him play in the U.S. Open in 2014, uh, uh, Patrick Reed's wife had them escorted off the golf course by the police afterwards. It's uh, that you know that doesn't you know I'm not going to pass any judgment on that, but I, that just strikes me as being pretty sad. But then yeah, people attack him for you know his family circumstances are completely out of order. Uh, I mean, I guess they're not worthy in a in a, a tangential way. But I mean, it's just kind of sadness rather than you know contempt or or whatever you want to feel from on that subject. What did you make of his performance on the course? Um, I mean, the point being made in Sky commentary was that he he was he reacted very well to the dodgy moments that he had. It wasn't by it was by no means a flawless oh, round, yeah. but he was really he he was ballsy when he needed to be. Well, that that's right, and and I mean, absolutely, in the contrast between him and and Rory uh, was quite striking. Both had their you know their their moments of adversity and and Reed was just simply made of sterner stuff, you know. And and I mean, and you would never want to knock Rory, uh, great virtue of of all things that are good in men. Uh, but the one thing I would say about Rory and and it was and it was even clearer to me in the, in the context of yesterday afternoon and watching how Reed responded. I mean, Rory just does not respond well to adversity, and and what what you saw from Reed, what, what you know. He he was he was magnificent in adversity. He was far from he was far away from having his best game, but he some he somehow got around in the requisite requisite number of shots. And he and when things went wrong, he he, he kind of came back, uh, you know, and he made them right. And uh, you know, and he hold a good putt in the last to win the Masters. It was a it was a it was a striking contrast. And uh, you know, that, yeah, that that was probably the that that's what won him the green jacket. You know, the fact yeah. that he. Uh, that, that, that he that he kind of stood up when, when things weren't going terribly well. It's an amazing thing, Lawrence, to say about Rory McIlroy. When you think, when you step back and think that we're talking about a guy here who many people believe is or will become the greatest ever sports person from this island, and yet we're, we're yeah. sitting here saying that he doesn't react well to adversity. I mean, that's such, such a pre prerequisite for greatness. I would have thought. Well, uh, if you look back on Rory's victories, uh, I mean, if you put his talent and his skill and his brilliance, uh, his charisma, you put that all to one side, you know, I mean, I have a theory on this. I don't know if it's, you know, I've gone on about it on here, but uh, Rory has been a golden child his whole life. I mean, he was brilliant at the age of eight. He's been brilliant since the age of eight. Uh, when he wins, when he's won his majors, um, when he won the, the US Open by a mile, he won at Whistling Straits by a mile. He won the Open Championship in a canter. Um, I, I, I'm trying to think. Yeah. So um, when he wins, he wins. He usually wins big. Uh, very seldom he did it. Obviously, at Bay Hill recently. Um, when he wins, he seldom, you know, wins on the last. You know, he seldom, you know, battles back in the last over the last couple of holes. My point is, uh, when he's brilliant, he's brilliant. He's untouchable. He just kind of look at him though when things don't go great. Uh, to me. Um, again, 
who am I? What do I know? But to me, when things go wrong, there's a touch of the toys out of the pram thing. There's uh, again, there's obviously a degree of of, of steel in there. Uh, otherwise, he wouldn't be the sportsman he is. But at this very very rarefied level, when things aren't absolutely perfect for him, he tends to go. If things are going the wrong way, that they very very seldom. Not very, very seldom, but he seldom come back, especially in major championships. Uh, he's, he's done it a few times at Augusta now, and 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 I think that's related to the fact that things. Uh, I mean, he's obviously had to battle for everything he's had, but, but things have gone very well from throughout his whole golfing life. And when they don't, I don't think he responds well enough because he hasn't been maybe battle tested enough at that mm. uh, you, you know in adverse circumstances and he can't put or he, I should say he can't rely on his putting oh, when, when the pressure's on well he, I mean he's a streaky putter he always has been I mean that's it and he putted well for, I think he's average put, I think it's 26 putts a day for the first three days <laughs> but then you know you get on you know final final day I mean the putt on well <laughs> I mean, let's go through. I mean, not, let's not go through the whole round, please. No, but I mean, the drive off the first tee, for instance, was an absolute shocker. Uh, the putt on the second hole, and again, an absolute shocker. Uh, I mean, you know, the putt. I think he had thirty-one putts yesterday. Obviously, that was much worse than what had gone before. But it was a whole game, really. Uh, and I mean, I don't think we should be surprised about the putting because that's the kind of putter he is. But it was the ball striking that was was really. Uh, was eye-popping. I mean, he hit some awful, awful shots. I mean, interspersed with the occasional great shot. I mean, you think of the second shot uh, on two and you think of the tee shot on four. I mean, absolutely magnificent shot, magnificent shots, both of them. But why couldn't he, uh, you know, why couldn't he sort... The great thing about Tiger, you look back on Tiger's career, Tiger's gone out in the golf course and his swing has been off. What he's been able to do was fix it. You know, this is what professional golfers do. They know their swings well enough. They are um, calm enough mentally. Um, you know, because when you get into the fulcrum, you know, you know, the, the closing, the final pair in a Masters on Sunday, you know, your head's going to be scrambled. Now, you know, if your swing isn't right, you've got to be able to fix it. You've got to be, you know, mentally tuned in enough to be able to to fix it. Now, you're looking at Rory. I looked at the swing on the first tee. I, I'm not an expert. I'm, I'm I'm far from an expert. But I'm looking at that swing and I'm thinking, well, I know exactly what's wrong with that. You know, so, but Rory has to identify that. I mean, golfers, you know, by the ball flight, you know, what's your swing doing? So, you know, he's hitting high flares all day. He should be able to know how to fix that. And I'm sure he does. But But the issue probably was, you know, his head was scrambled. You know, he couldn't, you know, you couldn't get into that space that, uh, you know, that, that bubble where you think, okay, let's just settle down here. Let's just analyze what's going on and let's just fix it. The tiger was magnificent at that, the greatest ever. Uh, and Rory clearly, again, for, perhaps for reasons, you know, you know, psychological reasons that, you know, he just, doesn't deal well with adversity. He doesn't think straight enough. He doesn't, you know, get himself, you know, in that bubble and try and analyze what's going on and fix it and then move ahead. He, he he's he just he recoils, you know, in, in that that really, really deep, deep adversity. And I think that's what happened yesterday. Which is funny because he was the one who was trying to plant some of that 
yeah. some of those seeds of deaths into the head of Patrick How Reed. How good did that look? Yeah, I'll just, I'll just, just give the quotes in case people miss this. This is after his excellent round on Saturday. He said, I feel like all the pressure is on him, is on Patrick Reed. He is to go out and protect his three-shot lead, and he's got a few guys chasing him that are pretty big-time players. He's got that to deal with and sleep on tonight. What did you make of that? It would have looked very clever. I was having a chat with Murph about this off-air. If he had won the tournament and Reed had collapsed and so on, people yeah. would have said, well, that's the ruthless streak that you need to be a great champion. McElroy is finally showing that. But it doesn't, so it doesn't look clever when you end up having a bit of a disaster. Well, yeah, well, it doesn't look clever. I, but I think he was he was right to do it. And you're dead right if, if you know, he'd gone on to win the, the Masters. You know, people were saying, oh, well, that's him. He's the full package now. You know, he's a... He's a tough guy, gunslinger now as well. Um, but 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 he asked a question of Reed, and guess what? I mean, Reed Reed answered it, you know. And he, and what Rory said was right. But you know, Reed had the fortitude to 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 stand up to it, to deal with it. Uh, and I, I mean, I'm sure he will never do that. Rory will never do that again, or at least he'll never do it until he's he's actually done it himself. You know, until he has. You know, stood up to that kind of pressure. Certainly, at Augusta National. And when you look back on it now, you know, Reed could have said the same of Rory. I think he actually did a little bit, but not to the extent, or you know, not so boldly as as Rory did. Uh, and the question was asked of Rory, and he didn't answer it. And Rory asked the question of Reed, and, and he did. So I don't think the actual words were. I mean, they look silly in retrospect. But I mean, but who cares? I mean, the, the point is that Reed, Reed was under the pressure, and and Reed. Reed stood up to it. That, yeah. and that's the point. I look forward to having many conversations with you about Patrick Reed as he embarks upon his Reed Slam for the rest of the year. <laughs> Lawrence, thanks so much for talking. All the best, mate. It's a hell of a tournament so far. Listen, Luke Jensen, ESPN. Great to talk to you. Glad you're enjoying it. Own, you're amazing. <laughs> Own, you're amazing. Own, you're amazing. Own, you're amazing. Owen McDevitt. All up in the interweb. Owen McDevitt. Worldwide. The Murphy Mackey for most welcome Irishman of the year goes to Owen McDevitt. Owen, 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 Owen McDevitt. From Ireland's second captain show. All up in the interweb. Owen McDevitt. Worldwide. Second captain. Those guys are like, those guys are like family to me, man. Owen McDevitt. This is Locke. The coolest song I ever heard in my whole life. Owen McDevitt. All of you said I wouldn't make Stop it. Stop talking about Tom Finney. He said I was a loser. This guy is a bit of a turkey. <laughs> All right. He said I was a fucking soccer. Oh, you're amazing. But look at me now. All up in the interweb. Owen McDevitt. Worldwide. The new world veteran of the championship. Owen McDevitt. Owen McDevitt. Oh, you're amazing. Oh, you're amazing. To say, for example, the Barcelona team you worked at, is it fair to say anybody could have managed those guys? No, of course not. Quick one on Rory there, because we've talked more about Patrick Reed than Rory McIlroy today, but do you have any truck with that theory that when the going gets tough, Rory doesn't get going? In fact, I'm going to ask another question while I'm talking about Rory, because we've discussed that bit with Lawrence already. Why, when McIlroy fails in a tournament, does everybody bang on about the caddy? Yeah, he had a he had a caddy who'd been around the block, and it was always his. There were some people who would argue that it was always the caddy's fault for not keeping Rory's head straight. Now he's got his one of his best mates, who's his caddy. He's never been involved in golf, and they're saying, "Well, he should have a caddy." Look what Ricky Fowler and the conversation he had with his caddy on the 18th green, which was impressive. But different golfers and Harry use yeah. caddies for different. 
uh, they have different relationships with their their caddies. It's as old as as the game of golf. So I don't I think it's a bit of a, a side alley that's being gone down there. Yeah, and like Harry Diamond's won the West of Ireland, I think. You know, so I mean he's a he's a really good knows his golf. Yeah, 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 yeah. So sorry, I, mean, I wasn't trying to make him out to be yeah. some guy who never set foot in a golf course. Yeah, yeah. At some stage, you got to take personal responsibility. I think actually, mm. in relation to the the kind of Rory choking, we got an email from Damien Britton. Uh, last night I've seen very little discussion but Rory clearly choked on the second hole last night he saw the winning line he got excited and he choked he didn't hold another putt of consequence this is after Rory missed his eagle putt still got a birdie on the hole an amazing second shot that's yeah. the second green yeah. do kind of I when I read Damien's email this morning I do kind of think there's, there might be a bit a bit to that like it's it's that fragile with Rory that if he had gotten an eagle on the on the second hole momentum might have taken him to a six shot win yesterday you know but like that's not, it's not sustainable. You know, it's not a sustainable thing that, you know, you grind. Like, say, Ricky, R- Ricky Fowler uh, got to within a shot of winning the Masters last night. He was at uh, minus 10 on the, uh, at, the, at the end of the front nine. So was Rory McIlroy. Like, for all of the bad shots that Rory had hit mm. on the front nine, he was still minus 10. Like, he was still 10 under par for the tournament. And if he had gone, if he'd gone and uh, gone on a run and shot 31 on the back nine like we've seen and like so many golfers do in the past but by the 10th standing on the 10th tee you were like there's no way Rory wins this well he wasn't holding his putts though yeah I don't, I don't, I don't think he quit on his round and I don't know if choke is, no, no, is no, a no. fair way to phrase it that word does get thrown about yeah, he, but he certainly didn't play well yeah but that's not basically what, what I'm saying is he, he, it's not that he hadn't that he had given up on his round it's that golfers are able to grind like golfers are able to turn bad rounds into good rounds just by saying on the 10th tee, right, I'm still in this tournament, let's just go and play. Like, this idea that if he's not holding his putts, it has to continue like that till the end of the round because that's it. I mean, I, like, I don't subscribe to that and it, that can't be the way that golf is, that if you miss a few putts in the first four holes, then you can't hold another putt. Like, with Rory, that's what we see time and time, and time again and that's the worrying thing. This idea that you can't, he can't seem to change course in the middle of a round and that's, that's pretty worrying. Quick word on our upcoming Kilkenny Cat Laughs gig. Tickets are currently available, but look like they're going to sell out very soon. This is our Cat Laughs show on Friday, June 1st. That's Friday of the June bank holiday weekend. So if you want to go along, if you're heading along to the festival anyway, or if this is the kind of thing that will pique your interest in it, you can go to secondcaptains.com and book a ticket right away or the Cat Laughs website. You can book a ticket there as well. A couple of months back, Michael Dygdon wrote that he doesn't see the fairy tale ending for Brian Cody. He doesn't think that he'll go on and win another All-Ireland. They're league champions now, Michael. Are you starting to revise your opinion at all? It's not likely to start with that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that in the way up or anything. Um, uh, yeah, I we, we pretty much just scour through all your articles and previous appearances yeah. in the show and co-commentaries just to find something yeah. to nail well, you. I, if up. I keep up my my recent record, you won't be talking to me for much longer. <laughs> I've got every match wrong over the, over the last few weeks. But uh, yeah, what I actually what what where I was coming from was, was I didn't think that he could win it. Uh, I said he couldn't win Northern with this team. Now he hasn't won Northern yet, but I'm not saying he won't after after what we've seen. But um, I just thought. Like I, I think anyone that knows me over the years knows the amount of respect I have for Kilkenny Hurland and for Brian Cody in particular and in what he has done. And uh, but I just felt, you know, he only, he had so many gaps to fill, so many new players to find, um, and they haven't had a good record at, at under twenty one or minor level or whatever. So where were they going to come from? Um, even though Kieran's College, you'd be always mindful. You know, they had one one draw Irons, they won it again this year. So th- there's hurlers there, but it was like as if so many of the, of the old team had gone. 
and he had a few few lads missing for the league as well. So I, I just couldn't see how he'd reshuffle it. And so to do it so basically, really, if you look at it, he had four standout players. He put Parry Walsh at three, Killian Buckley at six, two natural wing-backs, and TJ at 11 and Walter Walsh at 14, and said, we have to build around this. These are so the put your best players, most experienced players, right down the middle. It's so basic. Like It's back to... What under 10s, under 12s. Under 12s. Under 12s. Yeah. Um, you know, and look, Parik Walsh to me still. You know, he had, he, Jason Ford had a, had a, was was the one tip forward just a really short. But Parik Walsh is still a top class player no matter where he plays. But but particularly Buckley and TJ Reid and, and Walter Walsh and um, that I, I've seen them a couple of times now during the year. And I don't think I've ever I don't think I've seen in hurling for a long, long time, and maybe ever the influence that of a, one player like TJ Reid has had over the last couple of months on a team that he just has basically said, "I'm going to lead this team. We're not going to be. We're going to get back on the stage." Like the catch against Tip in the league match and, and lay off to Richard Ivor for the point against Offaly. It was at a draw match with a few minutes ago. Offaly playing really well. You know, it looked like a real chance for Offaly. He caught a puck out and he had it poked over the bar before anyone even knew he had it caught. It was just an amazing piece of skill and leadership. And then obviously we saw yesterday again and that's happening. Well, time. what was your favourite moment yesterday? Because there were so many, especially in the first half. It's Shefflin esque at this stage from TJ. He's a completely different type of player, but I think. You know, there's a strong argument that he's equally as good, um, but time will tell. You know, like you won't be right, and particularly the journey he came on. Um, you know, I think it was the first three Irelands he wasn't on the team, and it was him, Richie Hogan, and maybe Eddie Brennan were the three players that Cody um, would have made life difficult for. You know, that he, whether he didn't fully trust him or didn't whatever, and they were on and off and on and off, and you know, just fam- famously he was going to pack it in and he stayed at it. Um, but look at the player he's become. I I, th- I thought the point. The one where he took a couple of touches and he shimmied round and stuck it over the bar, and the one he was on the ground, he got back up. Mm-hmm. But but he was he got a belt early on, and he sort of you'd say is he going to go off or is he, is he injured? Like he was obviously injured, he wouldn't be down. And he took a couple of frees, and he wasn't in the game the first fifteen minutes. Kenny weren't playing well. It wasn't a good start to the game for either side. And then he it was just like he just took over the game. He started to get going after the ball, getting on the ball, and then the points and the, like the frees at this stage we take for granted, but they have to be scored and. Uh, he only missed the last one, which is 110 yards. Barely missed it, but outside of that, you know, 15 points again. Uh, and look, it's not a one-man team, but it just shows you the influence of one player. And, and it's nearly Brian Cody had Henry Shetland for all those years that led on the field. Now he had JJ Delaney and Tommy Walsh and all the other lads as well. But he doesn't have as many of them now. But Killian Buckley equally as effective at the other end of the field. But TJ Reid to me just immense. Very interesting that you mentioned how TJ Reid was very gradually introduced into this Kilkenny team because that's the way Cody used to do it. And Richie Hogan, exactly the same. That didn't matter how good these guys were, you wait your time. And you'll actually probably get unfairly treated when you're 21, 22, just because you have to be made to wait to make the Kilkenny team. That And everyone just looked on that and said, right, well, that's the way you do it. Like, that's the way you should be bringing in young young players. And, you know, you've seen Clare and Limerick win under-21s and all of them get thrown into teams. And, you know, it can have a very uh, imbalancing effect on the guys who were there before the young players came in. So Cody has always had the... the, That's the the manual on how to do it. He couldn't do that this year. Like, he he actually just didn't have any senior players left to very gradually bring in all these young players and put them in, take them out... And, you know, over the course of two seasons, they're the team. He had to throw them all in together this year, and yet he still managed to get it work to, to get it working. And that's the, maybe the most interesting thing that we've seen over the last couple of months. Yeah, I'd say we could be here for the rest of the week talking about that point that you made. Um, Co- Brian Cody uh, 
has a man with him called Mick Dempsey, who is very who's very quiet and he's in the background. But he's been there all along. And the work he does, you know, I believe a player comes in there at 18, 19, he, he's put on a five-year programme. And exactly to make the point you made, that at 23 or 4, he's fully developed. And they've done that over the years. Tip came in 2010 with 521s. Claire came in 13 with 521 starting. Changing the template. Younger players coming in, you know, whatever. And you, you never felt that really sat with Brian Cody. He, he kept more or less, but he did introduce a few here and there that were very good. Exceptional players over the years came in very young, but generally they had to wait and serve their time. Um, but they didn't have the choice this year. And at the same time, the core principles haven't changed. But, you know, like, the, 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 like Martin Kogan, uh, I played against his dad, like he's, he's 19 years of age. You know, he's not a big man. He hasn't that physical thing. But He's not ready in the way that you would say a Kilkenny hurler has been ready in the last seven or eight yeah. years. And that's not to say that he hasn't been brilliant in the league. Yeah, but even in a few months, though, like I have seen, uh, you know, I saw Kilkenny in the Walsh Cup against Offaly Sodom in the league. Even, even, in, even in a few months with those lads, working with those lads and in on the panel, it, they, have, they have got a lot stronger, a lot more physical. And maybe some of that was... Um, some of that was a mental toughness that they had to acquire or they maybe didn't fully understand what was expected because the one thing that Brian Cody always talks about and it, any of us that are over teams is what you dream of but you probably don't have the personnel but it's honesty, total commitment and he wants that in every player and if he doesn't think it's there he won't play them so even those lads are young and they're light and they're whatever they were in the middle of everything and the likes of even say Joey Holden who's had a couple of tough years you know he was at fullback Paddy Deegan who started out at midfield and looked a nice hurler, but maybe a little bit slower or whatever, starting out like the way he played yesterday. Like it, it's a that is a pure mental thing. That's that's they've a certain amount of ability, but like to me there'd be lots of counties with players just as good as that. And it's 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 certainly something that that would would give hope, I think, to a lot of players around the way he's done that. Yeah, it did seem to have the performance had a lot of the hallmarks of the Brian Cody Kilkenny teams. Yeah, the, there was you mentioned the physicality there. They certainly had most of them in the second half, played some some lovely hurling at times did the dirty stuff like the work right in the forwards all those things that are I've been talking about soft now they're cliches but the problem is we haven't seen as much of them over the last couple of years and you're wondering can this new bunch bring them through how much are you seriously revising your opinion based on the league campaign do you see them now as possible All-Ireland winners in a way you didn't a couple of months ago yeah I think that's a fair point I, I think I would now based on based on the fact also they took off three of their forwards and they weren't slow to make changes like Colin Fennelly Paul Murphy has to come back, but Paul Murphy in the last year or two hasn't been the player that he has been. No, he's a, he's a fanta- fantastic player, but I'm sure he'd be itching to get back into that. But I think Colin Fenley and Richie Hogan added to the forward, say midfield up where they can make, mm. will be more significant in terms of, because they, like, they have a couple of very small light lads up in the forwards that, you know, maybe the Galways of this world who are, who are much more physical. Um, so I think they're definitely gone back. Yeah, in my mind, I'd, I'd have to say, you know, I was, I was very, very uh, probably... Um, wrong, maybe at the, you know now well, looking premature, at, premature maybe yeah. the word, but but the, but the point I want to make, I, there still has to be a, a little bit of reflection on this. Like Tipperary, oh, we're giving Kilkenny all the credit in the order, but Tipperary deserves as much criticism. Go on then. What, what did they get wrong yesterday? Well, they wouldn't go for the ball. They wouldn't go for the hard ball. And in the second half, there were seventeen puckouts in the second half, or seventeen balls landed in the half forward line, Kilkenny half back line, and they won three of them. And uh, this is the old failing. This has been there. Even when they won the All-Irelands, Eamon O'Shea and Liam Sheedy and Mick Ryan was part. They had to devise ways of stopping those puckouts because Kilkenny would just clean them out um, year after year after year and a half forward. I know, I know they're missing Noel McGrath and Bonner Maher and Seamus Callan, but 
you know, the lads that were out there were the players that had. And Mick Ryan said that after him, well, we were missing lads. But that's not putting trust in lads. Like, you never heard Brian Cody saying we were missing anybody. You might be missing lads in the summer and you yeah, need but, these other lads to step yeah, in. But anyway. Kenny were missing lads as well, yeah. you know. And, but you, and with the championship the way it is this year, you're going to need... Like, so it doesn't... So, so I, I just think... For, and I also think... Um, Ronan Maher had been playing very well in the middle of the field and he had been exposed at centre-back a little bit over the last couple of years. He was put back there. Parik Maher was taken out of centre-back. Now, I'm not saying... you know It was too big a game for Tip. Maybe Tip early on in the league didn't maybe want to win the league. It mightn't have been a huge priority. But they're in the league final. They haven't won in 10 visits to Nolan Park. It's a chance to lay down a marker and they failed it badly. And, you know, their forward line particularly... You know, a number of their backs played okay, um, but they're they're um, played well actually. And uh, Alan Flynn and yeah. Barry Heffernan, and you know, um, like the the Mahers were under pressure at different times, but they, they they stuck to it. But James Barry was in trouble at three, and that's been a problem for the last couple of years. But their forward line, their half forward line in particular, didn't function again. I, to be honest, I thought Tipperary would win the game by seven or eight points yesterday. I, I really felt that, and I felt like they kind of had to. You know, this uh, impression of Tipperary that they're still a little bit flaky, particularly when it comes to finals, particularly when when it's against Kilkenny. I mean, this was an unbelievable chance for Tipperary to put the... to have, uh, as they say, a foot on Kilkenny's throat and really make him hurt a little. And the idea that they could go out and be as bloodless as they were... I mean, again, this is not uh, Tommy Walsh and JJ Delaney. This, uh, as you say, are smaller, young... Like, don't have the body mass that you would expect to have a, Kil- a Kilkenny hurler to have. And Tipperary were getting monstered by them. I mean, I really felt like uh, you're, you're right to move it on to Tipperary in a lot of ways because that was, that was worrying. Like, I mean, I would have had Galway and Tipperary at a level above every other team in the country up until yesterday. But I'm not actually sure that Kilkenny have moved up more so than Tipperary have fallen way back down. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm in the same. I, I, I'm not sure about seven or eight, but I thought it'd win, and I thought they needed to win. I thought we'd see a massive hunger from them for that reason, and we didn't see that um, intensity. And you know, if you're like some Michael Breen, who's been corner forward all during the league, he knows John McGrath is going to be going back in there probably, and that Noel McGrath will be back, and Bonner and maybe Callan. Jamie Callan, yeah. Yeah, that they'll be back. So where does that leave him now? Where does that leave Dan McCormick wasn't there, and they missed his sort of physicality as well and ball winning. But so a lot of those players this morning are sort of saying. Like where do I fit into this? Whereas Kilkenny have all these players chomping at the bit and mad for action and mad for road. And it's amazing how a league campaign can can do that. And last year Tipperary were the very same. They went into the league final, I thought were unbeatable last year, and Galway demolished them in the league final. Now they did recover very well after and running a puck of a ball away from, you know, maybe being in that Iron final and possibly winning it. So that they're still a very good team, but it it's just worrying it wasn't even that they were out muscled. They were just it was just an attitude, a, a work rate, a, a, you know, it's not. They weren't being hit hard. It wasn't a dirty game or anything like that. It was just there was lads in their faces all the time, and 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 they just weren't able to react to it, which was worrying from them. And and it's certainly something that wasn't planned. Like I think they they had to win that game yesterday. There's no way there's just some sort of tactical master plan that is being worked on, and they're in the early stages of that. You know, when teams are, are overthinking things and thinking too, a bit too much about what they're supposed to be doing, sometimes there's a bit of a lack of aggression. You sometimes see that in, in rugby and other sports. Am I giving them too much of a free pass? I'm just looking for something, because they're clearly unbelievably talented, and the players that are going to come back in will make a huge difference. So, you know, Michael Ryan is right on that score. But yeah, and, and you're, not, you're not giving any sort of free pass now. Hurling is a funny game. Like, Tip had a few chances early on. Then John O'Dwyer had a chance of a goal after half time. It should have been a goal, another couple of steps. It's a brilliant save, but should be put away. And it's amazing all of a sudden, you know, you're back in the game and it takes on a different. Like, Brian Cody's famous, it takes on a life of its own. But Hurling does at times. And particularly, it was fairly 15 on 15 and there was chances being created or whatever. Um, so, 
you know, with the with the talent they have, we saw it against Dublin. Like first fifteen minutes, they were they were nine one down or whatever. And then they just blew them away because they can do that. But they weren't getting that extra second on the ball yesterday. That when 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 Tipperary are in full flow, if you saw them playing some league matches, or I've seen them playing challenge matches over the years, where they put up thirty five points, like and just one, there's touch first touch, their skill level when they get that yard of space, but. They didn't get that. The hunger, right? The joy holding, and 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 he came out one stage in the first half, out after one, and he ended up nearly his own half hour, and still re- chasing the one ball. Like he went for it about three or four times, um, you know. And that's something that you can't coach, I suppose. That's a that's that's built and it's built into the psyche of Kilkenny and Brian Cody drives it on. And I also think, and I don't know this, but it looks very much like me that he is much more involved in from his selectors as well. Um, Brian Cody would generally run the sideline like oh, over all the years and he still does but if you watch the interaction between James McGarry's in the stand now he's taking notes he's communicating with, with Derek Ling Derek Ling is going to Brian Cody at half time they were straight in together uh, McGarry had his notes they were going through stuff and he brought them in for a reason a couple of years ago and now I suppose finding a way to work together because I remember talking to a previous Kilkenny selector who I won't name but he said that if they went to pick a team for a Kilkenny match and Brian Cody wanted a player on it he'd stay in the hotel Kilkenny or Langton's until 5 o'clock in the morning until he got his way he wouldn't go home he said he'd wear them out <laughs> and, and, and even if the other two wanted somebody else he wouldn't agree until he got his way and you know maybe the last couple of years things were needed to be freshened up they brought in new players these lads are there very very experienced guys very well regarded and McDempsey and it looks to me like they're working better together so, which may be a factor I don't know yeah they have Wexford in Nolan Park in the last game of the Leinster round robin, and like I went and had a look. I've I've been doing this kind of awful lot. At the end of every league Sunday, I end up saying, "Oh God, how so? How are Clare? How is their summer shaping up?" Like for Kilkenny, it's Galway and Pierce Stadium. I think is their third game, and then but Wexford it, uh, in Nolan Park is la, is the last game. The the idea of going into Nolan Park needing to win for Wexford which you know you'd probably say that's more than likely how it's going to shape up you wouldn't be putting a whole lot of money on Wexford now would you? Uh, I, t- I thought Wexford would win the week before down, down in, in Wexford yeah. Park and, and a bit like we're talking about Tipperary I think that was a, a big loss for them they looked very short of ideas as well when the pressure came on so this Kilkenny team are obviously a lot better than we're all given we had given them credit for because they've made Wexford look very average one week and made Tip you know eventually outfought so the, the hunger in these young lads and their hurling ability like their first touch uh, Martin Keogh and Donnelly's hand like, th- like these lads can hurl they're not just there running around like headless and laying off the ball very quickly you know intelligent players so I'd have to say I didn't know a lot about, about some of them and my first impression was that they'd be too immature they wouldn't be strong enough they wouldn't be this but they are very good hurlers and but the other thing is they're going to be found out a bit more now maybe they're being underrated you know by Parik Maher yesterday would normally be on Walter Walsh or be on TJ Reid. He's on Martin Keoghan, a 19-year-old. He knows nothing about... Didn't seem to have the same drive. When he went on Walter Walsh for the last 15 minutes, he looked like a different man. Yeah. He caught a ball over his head. So, championship psyche and league are two different things. And I think this, the exciting thing about the championship this year is none of us know what way the matches are going to pan out. Playing, f- f- like, awfully a four-match in a row, but most of them to four and five weeks. The strength of your panel, players could get injured, sent off, suspended. So, it's, it's completely new territory in terms of how it's going to go. But I think, you know, you, you could have a situation the last weekend, you could have a situation where you have three teams or f- or four teams on the same points and two of them are going to be eliminated on scoring difference, yeah. uh, which would be amazing, uh, particularly if someone went out of the championship um, 
And that's very possible because these matches are all going to be very tight. You reminded me of the old Brian Clough quote there when you're talking about Cody. If I had an argument with a player, we would sit down for 20 minutes, talk about it, and then decide I was right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe Cody is changing a small bit there involving the selection. I, I read one about Brian Clough the other day where he, uh, uh, Teddy Sheringham had just he's just signed him and he was walking down the corridor and he, he bumped into Clough and Clough said, you must be Edward Sheringham. And he said, uh, he said I am, he says, but everyone calls me Teddy he says okay Edward the best of luck in the club <laughs> <laughs> isn't British stuff Michael thanks so much cheers lads in the final and on in again and the to be sent off. He's going to be a yellow card. A gasp Oh, what about that? Send him off. Send the dirty guys off. You'll ball this game, Campbell. A gasp What does Brian Cody make of it all himself, Murph, the maestro? Did he have much to say? Uh, well, I don't know that it was just Michael Dignan uh, that Brian Cody had in mind. I think, you know, I, I don't know that Brian Cody, you know, pictures one particular individual or if it's just an assault on the chattering classes generally. But this is what Brian Cody had to say yesterday. With all due respect to everyone, it doesn't ever concern me what anyone's opinion is about Kilkenny. I think we look after the thing ourselves in our own place and everyone has an opinion. The great thing about everyone's opinion is that it can change, whereas our opinion is tested the whole time and you have to deliver on it. So it doesn't really matter from anyone's point of view. Pundits, pundits predict and everything else. And if they're wrong, it doesn't matter because they can go again. But if we get the thing wrong, we're beaten, and rightly so. We've won today, but there's a hell of a lot of hurling left ahead this year, and it's really only starting. <laughs> so there's just kind of a, a Brian Cody in a pill form. Easy to swallow Sounds Brian Cody pill form. Sounds a little bit like, do you remember his comments after Clare had won the 2013 All-Ireland Final, and he did an interview with Keith Duggan, where yeah. he was asked something along the lines of the changing, about the changing face of hurling. Mm. And he just scoffed at it. He's like, what are you talking yeah. about? These, these these things happen all the time. Other teams come along. So this is something, uh, but we we don't need to adapt. We just need to play our best hurling next yeah. year. Sounds like he has a similar attitude towards what the outside world has mm. to say. Do you salute? Uh, sorry, Murphy. Yeah. They did win the next two All-Irelands as well. Yeah, that's that. what I, that's, sorry, that was the, the point of that <laughs> one. Ken. Do you welcome the return of our overlords, our hurling overlords, Kilkenny? Well, I don't know what he's talking about. He he gets another go as well, doesn't he? doesn't matter if he loses either, apparently. Well, I mean, something to do with all of the uh, 
Wins. Yeah, I think yeah. all the wins. Yeah. I mean, they haven't won <laughs> so Ireland now. For credit in the bank? <laughs> yes, yes, there might be something like that. Yeah. It's, it's just ridiculous, really. I mean, you win 11 All-Irelands, whatever, in the last, you know, 20 years, 19 years. Mm. Ken would have had Suddenly him. Suddenly, that still counts for everything. Ken know? would have had him out of there after the first defeat to Cork. Just forget about it. Yeah. You're gone, Cody. Bomb him out of there. Thanks, Murph. Thanks, Ken. Thank Thanks, old. Thanks, Thanks Ken. Thanks for listening. We'll see you during the week in the World Service. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 